0: Hello, hello, and welcome to a new podcast, a new episode for that. Um, I did promise yesterday that I would do a talk on the movie Antichrist from two thousand nine, directed by Lars von Trier, and it's been a while since I watched this film. And I always remember watching it for the first time and falling absolutely in love with this film. And I'm going to go into why I fell in love with this film. But because I haven't seen it for a while, I've just rewatched it and I've just this minute finished it. And let me tell you, I remember now why I went back to this film. This film was beautifully made from the director, Lars von Trier. And To be honest with you, I think this is one of my favourite movies that he's done. And there's two really famous actors in this as well that play the main roles. Now, I do have a lot of notes written down. With my last movie talk yesterday, when I was talking about um, Aftermath... I didn't really have many notes written down simply because it was only a 30 to a 35 minute movie and I didn't really feel like I needed to write anything down but with this movie in particular there is a lot of stuff that I could have written down and went into detail with but as always I don't like to spoil it for people that might not have seen Antichrist but I do want to give you my full review without the spoilers if that makes sense. So, I've got no announcements to make on this podcast, this episode. I will keep saying podcast, (laughs) you know it's an episode, you know where I was going with that one. But today's talk is, once again, Antichrist by Lars von Trier. Now, if you are interested in listening to what I have to say, then please keep on listening. So today's movie is Antichrist from 2009, directed by Lars von Trier. And we have two famous actors in this movie, William Defoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg. Now, I remember quite a while ago when I first watched this one. This was before I'd ever seen Charlotte Gainsbourg's other movies and also William Defoe. So at that particular time, I didn't really know the actors very well. I didn't know what the acted did in. I just watched the movie because it was a Lars von Trier movie. And I just thought of this movie as a fantastic film. And lo and behold, I like I said, I never watched it for a while. But over that time, since I, the last time I did watch it, because I have it on DVD... Since that time, I have learned a lot more by Charlotte Gainsbourg and also William Defoe, but we're going to go into those two in just a second. The movie that we're talking about originates from Denmark, so that's quite interesting. We're going to Denmark today. Um, and it runs at 1 hour 48 minutes and 49 seconds, according to this uh, piece of information. Now, the genres for this movie, I will say up front... They do go by sexual violence against women, BDSM, gore, gruesome, sexual violence against men, self-harm, family, misery and depressing. Now, there is a bit of sexual violence against women. The BDSM, however, I'm not too sure where that goes into this because I never noticed anything to do with BDSM. But moving on, go gruesome. There is a bit of gruesome scenes in this. There is a bit of gore, but not as much as other extreme cinema films that we all might have seen up to now. And then sexual violence against men. There is a lot of sexual aspects to this movie. And there is a bit of violence against the main actor in this film. So sexual violence against men. The self-harm, there is a little minute part of that in this film. The family portion of it, this film is based on a couple with a child, but I'm going to go into that in a second and anyway. Uh, And then it's got misery, depressing. Now, I understand exactly where the misery and depressing comes from because I am going to go into this movie as a whole. Now, I really do feel like... After searching up Charlotte Gainsbourg and searching up William Defoe and finding out what movies they've been in, I kind of feel like this movie should be more mainstream than it actually is. And I'm quite surprised that when you mention William Defoe or Charlotte Gainsbourg, the first movies that pop up in your head isn't Antichrist. And then when you mention Lars von Trier, Antichrist comes second or third. So I'm very surprised at that because Antichrist, to me, like I said before, is a beautifully well-made film. And the acting is this... I can't even get my words out because I'm that excited to talk about it. But the acting in this film is unreal. And the deserve more recognition for this film and this film as a whole deserves more recognition than what it's actually getting you know I mean crikey this is from 2009 that's how many years old now Nine? Oh god 10 20 22 oh my god it's quite a few years old this one so I'm just gonna go straight into this now um talk about the um the different chapters of this movie because there is a few chapters and I'm going to go through individually each chapter of my thoughts and opinions and what I saw on screen but there will become a time where I can't say too much because it will give the film away and I don't really want to do that but I will have to put up a warning for anybody that has not seen this film if you are a couple with a child or you are planning to have a child, I would maybe look into what you'll be watching in the very beginning of this film because this could be a trigger for a lot of women and men out there. So please beware, there is a trigger in this film. I mean, there's a lot of triggers with Go and everything like that, you know know these films. But this specific trigger is actually heart-wrenching and... It's not something that should be taken lightly when you go into this film. And this could be me looking too much into it. But if you know me as well as what you think you do. I watch these extreme cinema films with an open mind. And I go into all these films, you know, with no judgment or no prejudgment, I should say. And I mean, I do look up the films, what I'm going to be watching. But I don't go too much in detail about what I'm going to be watching. Because I don't want it to destroy or have any impact on what my thought process will be coming out of the film. So, like I said, there's a trigger in this film that you should be aware of. Uh, but I am gonna go into it though because I do want people to know exactly what they're gonna be getting into, and but the rest of it later on, like I said, I'm not gonna be saying too much because I want people to go out and watch this, I want people to experience this film firsthand if you haven't before. And I would love, love, love to know your own opinion on this film after you've watched it. So I would gladly appreciate that. But moving on, if you want to continue listening to this episode, um, then please keep on listening. But if you feel from what I've just said that this movie's not going to be for you, then please skip to the next episode, which will be probably in a few days time and I'm going to keep it a secret what I'm going to be talking about. But yeah, but keep it until then and if you're going to stay with me during this episode then keep on listening. So this movie technically has six initial parts to this movie. So the first part of this movie is we have the prologue which on the movie, it states uh, in writing prologue and then it goes on to the next few ones. Um, but the prologue is essentially the beginning of the film. Of It basically tells you exactly the the start of the story and potentially you know, what the whole movie um, is all about. So the only way I can explain that by what Lars von Trier has done is is he's created the prologue and he's given you the initial overall look at what the film has been based on, if that makes sense. So that is the prologue. Then we have chapter one, which is grief. And then we have chapter two, which is pain, chaos, reigns. Then we have chapter three, genocide. Then we have chapter four, the three beggars. And then the next one, which is epilogue um is that how you say it epilogue please correct me on that one but anyway so like i said before going back to the prologue start of it this is where the trigger comes in and i personally don't mean to upset anybody i personally don't mean to trigger anyone that's listening to this that has potentially got a child or had a child or if any child nature put it that way but in the beginning of this film you see the two main characters William Defoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg as their characters and they are unnamed in this film they don't go by names and they don't uh, approach each other by names they basically just talk and so we've got the main two characters so that's why I'm going to call them William Defoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg or I might just say William and Charlotte just to make it a bit easier so you understand what I'm saying so, William and Charlotte, in the beginning of this film, are basically having sex together. And it looks to be in black and white. And you do see a small toddler child um, getting out of bed, walking around, all while them two are, you know, um, having a an escapade of sexual romps, shall we say, all while their son is climbing up onto a window and he falls to his death. Now it's this is a trigger for for a lot of reasons. So if you have, you know, this could bring up any trigger with a child whatsoever, you know. So it, it's really hard for me to talk about this specifically because, you know, I, I don't want to go into too much detail, but it, it's nothing to do with me, so don't worry there. <laughs> But it's just really awkward and uncomfortable to talk about in any way because children are very, very innocent, you know, and no child deserves um to either fall to the death or get hurt in any way or anything like that. So this is a very, you know, very soft... I can't even explain it, but yeah, but this child falls to his death. And this could be a trigger because... Anybody listening to this could have had a child with someone and something could have happened to that child or it could bring up a lot of different things. I don't really want to go into it because me telling you what happened in the film is a trigger enough, so I don't want to go too much in detail with that. And then we also have, after that, them, um, William and Charlotte, following the the funeral carriage of their son and she falls... Um, to the ground due to fainting and then she ends up in hospital and her husband William really wants to help her and he's a therapist. Uh, at first I thought he was a psychiatrist just judging by the film like after you, you'll hear what I'm talking about in a minute but he seems to be like a psychiatrist and a therapist and he... You know a lot of people are saying well I'm not really too sure if he's still practicing in this film but obviously he's not because he's looking after his wife at the end of the day so he goes to see his wife in hospital after she collapsed she ended up in hospital for a month and he tries to get her out of the hospital to stop her taking medication because apparently he thinks that taking medication for this anxiety and depression is not helping her it's just making her worse so he takes her to this Cabin in the woods type place in a place called Eden. Now, this is the first chapter of the movie, which is called Grief. Now, anybody that has suffered the loss of a child will go through a grief. You know, if you lose a family member, you go through a grief. Like myself, when I lost my dad last December, I went through a grief, and it never ever you know, you never ever forget about it, you just learn to cope with it, you know, you just learn to cope with the pain, and you know, you do have to get on with things, but losing a child is not something that I've experienced myself, so it could be a completely different grief, I don't know, but yeah, and then when they're on the train, on the way to Eden, um, because he gets her out of the hospital and he get he tries to get her off this medication, so they end up on the train. So I'm I missed telling you that there. Uh I do apologize. Uh, but they're on the train, and when the train's moving, all the trees are going past. Now, what I will say is pay close attention to the trees that's going past on the train because you do see something um in the trees. Quite a few things. So you have to really pay attention when you're watching this movie, but then They get to the woods and he walks her through the woods and she finds it very difficult to walk through a few parts of the wood and she finds it very difficult to walk in the grass, you know, she run in the grass to get where she is. And so she found it very, very hard to walk on the grass and, you know, sort of feel one with the woods almost you know um so that was that and he you know it with their relationship uh leading up to Eden so far my thought process was you know I kind of understand where both of them are coming from because he as a husband being you know a um being a side, what do you, what do you even call? Them? I can't even remember what you call them. Um, a psycho, not a psychologist, a therapist. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm not even gonna cut that out. Um, a therapist. So because he's a therapist and that's his job, and he's done it for years, it's a tricky one because you, as a therapist, obviously he loves his wife Charlotte and he wants to help her through this and. It kind of almost seems like he's not grieving at all and he's just focusing on his wife. But, I mean, you know, people react to things different ways. So, I'm not too sure if that's his coping mechanism. Um, You know, the way he's trying to deal with it is by helping his wife through it and the work through it together. I'm not too sure. But, yeah. But that's basically... Um, the the tricky part of that relationship is he's trying to be the husband but he's also trying to be the therapist and she is thinking that she's just a patient of his that you know he never once paid her attention until now and so he well she is like a a patient to him so I can almost see where they are both coming from so I mean what would you do in that situation if you're a therapist you know to be honest with you, even she said to to um, William in the start of this movie, you know, therapists should never treat their family, which is completely true. And he knows this. He understands this and he acknowledges this. But he loves his wife at the same time. And he's willing to do whatever it takes to get her out of this grieving stage. But yeah, but that was just my thought process on the film up to this point where they go to Eden. And if you ask me, Eden references the Garden of Eden in the Bible. Now, this movie isn't just a movie about a couple that are grieving the loss of their son. This movie is also a spiritual kind of movie and it leans into good and evil. And I'm I'm going to go into that in a little bit more a bit later on because I wrote my notes on this, because I found this part of the movie fascinating. But before I skip to that, I'm going to continue because I I can kind of do that. I can uh, talk about one thing and then get distracted by a different fact and go to that and not remember what I said before. So that's just me. Please forgive me, okay? But moving on to chapter two. So moving on from chapter one, we are now on chapter two, which is Pain, Chaos, Reigns. Now, this part of the movie was very strange because as we have just talked about, um, William is doing certain challenges and different things for Charlotte that is making her a lot more comfortable in her surroundings of the woods at Eden and he is giving her, you know, all of this patience. He's, he's giving her all of this help. And he's helping her through her grief and what, what not, what have you. And it seems to me that even though she suffered with anxiety in this movie, and there is a stent in this movie where she suffers from anxiety and she's shaking and everything like that. And then there is a part of this movie which... I didn't really want to go too much into um, because it is a very sensitive topic of um, self-harm, which is what the genre is described in the very beginning of this this episode of self-harm. So she does try to harm herself in some way. So her mood swings are very up and down with her grief and her anxiety and everything like that. Then one minute she is like this but then the next minute she turns out she says she is cured and she's happy now and she you know i mean william who is the husband in this movie that we were just talking about he you can see by his face he is like shocked at how she's all of a sudden like healed basically and he You know, I can see in his face. His acting and her acting was unbelievable. But if you can show an, an audience watcher in your face exactly what you're thinking, you've done a good job, put it that way. And he did a fantastic job making me feel like, God, he's actually shocked at how quick that she seems to have gotten over all of this, you know. And I mean, can somebody transform just like out overnight? (laughs) I wouldn't have thought so. So I'm not surprised he was surprised, you know, in shock or whatever you want to call it. Now, the Chaos Reigns part of the movie, which is chapter two, um, he, uh, well, William, sorry. William does um, find a lot of stuff in the loft that is in their cabin and it's a lot of like imagery of like human sacrifice and everything like that and there was a book on the table called genocide now i just want to say one thing as a side note before we continue i did write on my notes a quote what william defoe had said in um this film at the kind of after the beginning of this film, when they were on the way to Eden, I totally forgot to mention this, so I am just going to go back just a little bit when they're on the train. The quote he said, I absolutely love, and he said this to Charlotte on the train after he got her to go through like a a storytelling scene of when she was closing her eyes and stuff. And he told her, what the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. And i had to write that down and i'm going to go by that quote for the for the rest of time now because i think it's a fantastic quote and it's basically saying that whatever you but truly believe it can actually happen and um there's nothing more perfect than hearing something like that you know in a movie such as this one but anyway going back to the the um the loft where he found this book that says genocide on the front um he was looking through the book and from what I could guess of what was said was, you know, that Charlotte, which was writing in this book, was talking about witches and how the devil marks you or it can be invisible. And over time, when he's turning the pages, the writing becomes more scribble-like and more spaced out until there were just lines on the writing. Um, and like I said, there was, like, pictures all over of, um, like, human sacrifice and everything like that. And it seemed to become an obsession to Charlotte in this film. And he, uh, William, approaches Charlotte about this and he starts talking to her about this and he noticed a picture of their child that they had, um, unfortunately, lost in the beginning of this film when Charlotte had took her son to Eden a few summers and when she could write on her thesis and he noticed in the picture that their son had the shoes on the opposite feet and he questioned her about this and she basically shrugged it off like oh she must have had a, a bit of a you know like a mind block that day or whatever but then later on he just find more images of different occasions where she's put the shoes on the wrong feet of their child And not only that, when Charlotte is filling the fireplace full of paper, she comes across the um, autopsy report from their son that William had kept. And he didn't want to tell her in the beginning when he got it because she was in a very upset space. You know, he didn't want to upset her more. And on the autopsy report, there was an image attached which showed a disfigured foot. So, due to her putting the shoes on the wrong feet, this is what has deformed their child's feet, basically. So, that is a little insight of the movie on that part of it. Then, we get to chapter three, which is despair, genocide. Now, I don't really want to go much more in detail about this film at this point, simply because it's the movie... It's the sort of movie that, yes, you can tell people what it's about, but there's a certain point where if you see anything else, you're just going to ruin the film for people. And yes, I must admit, it does sound pretty messed up. It does sound, you know, um, not very appealing to a lot of people. But again, like the last episode that I did on Aftermath, like I said, there's a big difference from me talking about a film and you actually watching a film so this film is definitely worth the watch but apart from that there is a lot more that goes into this film by the way there is even though you don't see much relationship progress between William and Charlotte you can feel it when you're watching it and I know that's very strange But, like I said, there's a lot more elements to this movie that I've missed out, most likely. But again, I don't want to give away too much information. But I did need to talk about this film. Simply because, like I said in the very beginning of this podcast, it's a fantastically and beautifully filmed film. (laughs) That rhymed, I'm a poet, and I didn't even know it. (laughs) I do apologise. But yeah. But this movie is absolutely fantastic. And there's a lot of depth and meaning to this film as well. That's another thing what I love about this movie. It's very depth, you know. Like, you've got a lot of depth with this film, you know. And the whole cinema photography in this film, the way certain scenes are captured with slow motion and then bits of black and white and the music that's involved in this film, it's just... Honestly, it's a fantastic film which everybody needs to watch and give a lot more credit for, you know. But on that note, um, I am going to give you a little bit of a synopsis on this movie so you can get a little bit more um, leeway of this film. So the introduction synopsis of this film says... While a married couple, William Defoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg, is having sex, their infant son is in a nearby room. A son in a nearby room, sorry about that, uh, falls out of a window to his death. She becomes distraught and hospitalised, but her husband, who is a psychiatrist, I knew he was a psychiatrist, but I thought he was a, a, a therapist. But anyway, moving on, attempts to treat her. Deciding that she needs to face her fears, he takes her to a cabin in the woods where she spent a previous summer with the boy. Once they were there, she becomes more unhinged and starts penetrating sexual violence on her husband and herself. So that is a little synopsis there for you. Now, going to William Defoe, um William Defoe is an American actor. He has been nominated for many different awards so he's been voted for best actor in addition to receiving nominations of four academy awards four screen actors guild awards three global globe awards and a british academy film award so that's amazing in itself Um, he is now 67 years old and the films that he is noted for I am shocked at this, like I said in the beginning, this film should be more mainstream than what it is because of William Defoe's acting skills and also because of the amount of movies he's been in. So the first one we have here is The Lighthouse from 2019, Spider-Man from 2002, Spider-Man No Way Home from 2021. American Psycho from 2000. That is another favourite movie of mine. But that is more in the mainstream horror movies, if that makes sense. So that's why I've never mentioned American Psycho on this podcast. But now you know, that's one of my favourites. And then we've got Plantoon from 1986. Antichrist, which we've just been talking about from 2009. The Northman from 2022. So that's this year. Um oh my god he's been in loads we've got aquaman from 2018 john wick from 2014 death note from 2017 um let's have a look let's have a look um we have aquaman and the lost kingdom from 2023 so look out for that one no doubt, when William Deford does a new movie, I will be checking it out. And I will be also checking out all of the other movies that he's done as a main actor. And I will be talking about him more so on my social media, not necessarily on my podcast. So I will be checking out more of his movies now that I've rewatched Antichrist. Now, Charlotte Gainsbourg, um, she is, however, a British-French actress and singer... She is the daughter of English actress Jane Birkin and French musician Serge Gainsbourg. Please correct me on that one. After making her musical debut with her father on the long on the on the long on the song "Lemon Incest, at the age of twelve, she released an album with her father at the age of fifteen. Well, well, well. Did you know this? I did not know this. Now, the film I do know that she's been in however is Nymphomaniac from 2013 now Nymphomaniac was probably the first movie of Charlotte Gainsbourg after Antichrist that I ever saw so like I said before when I watched Antichrist for the first time I hadn't seen Nymphomaniac but later on I did find Nymphomaniac and I watched it and that also led on my love for um the band that was featured in Nymphomaniac, um, oh my lord, Ramstein, that's the name, and they are a German rock band, um, that brought on the whole Ramstein fan rage of mine. But yeah, but Nymphomaniac from 2013 was the second movie of Charlotte Gainsbourg that I ever saw, and she also too was in a few movies. So we have Melancholy from 2011, We've got The Snowman from 2017. We have a lot of movies here, which I've never heard of. Uh, unlike William Defoe, a lot of his movies are mainstream and a lot of people know about them. Whereas Charlotte Ginsburg, a lot of her movies don't seem to be that mainstream unless I'm missing something, unless I just haven't, you know, been looking into the mainstream movies lately. But there is a lot of movies that she's done as well. Um, so I'm just going to name off rattle off a few here kung fu monster from 1988 misunderstood from 2014 lemming from 2005 we have the jews from 2016 uh love etc from 1996 do not disturb from 2012 and his wife from 2014 now there is a lot more movies that just done uh, but i'm not going to go through all of them on this podcast because it's not relating to that but yeah, I just thought I'd give you a little bit of an introduction to William Defoe and Charlotte Gainsburg. So again, even if you haven't seen *Last Van Trial's Antichrist, but you do know of Charlotte Gainsburg or William Defoe, then please, please, please give Antichrist a watch. It's like I said, it's a fantastically beautifully filmed movie. I'm not gonna rhyme it again. Uh, but yeah. But my overall thoughts on this movie is, again, just go and watch it. I can't stress that enough. And I'm really happy that I got to talk about this movie. And I don't know why I haven't done it sooner. But yeah, but without any more rambling, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please keep your eyes peeled for a new episode, which will be in a few days time. But I will be announcing that on my social media. So if you're not following me on Facebook, it is just Century Stowers, Kirstie Nightmare. You can't go wrong. And also let me know what you think about this movie. If you have seen it, if you haven't seen it, let me know what your thoughts are about this podcast. And I will catch you on the next one. Bye.